Hello again and welcome back, hopefully, to Tracking Shots, or welcome to Tracking Shots. I think we've we've been doing this for 25 episodes now? Something like that, yeah, maybe even a little bit more. It's kind of weird with the uh, way we release them sometimes, so... <laughs> yeah, and, and for us it, it feels like ages since we recorded, but realistically yes. it's only been... Two but weeks two since we've weeks, released yeah. something, so uh, but it's good to be back, and uh, we have uh, new digs and uh, new ideas, and and we're gonna keep it going for for all of our listener. Yeah, you know, it's funny actually. I had a, a lot of people who were who have mentioned it recently that are like, hey, how come we haven't released an episode recently? So it's kind of good to know that. I'm glad you guys are listening, and um, I think that we're gonna talk about films that are kind of aptly. You know, it's an app genre for what this podcast is. And that's, of course, disaster films. So I know you've been wanting to talk about these for a little while. And uh, let's kind of get right into it, I guess. So, I mean, disaster films have... And it's it's weird because it's, it's such a huge genre. It, it's like horror. It has a bunch of sub-genres. Yeah. And at, at some point, I was having an uh, argument with one of our listeners, and he he'll, he knows who he is, but um, <laughs> about what exactly is a disaster film. So yeah. you, you have stuff that's obvious, and I'll just take current examples, like 2012 or right. <laughs> The Core. <laughs> I, I laugh because that's a, a horrible film. Yeah. Uh, but you could even, I mean, some people would. I don't necessarily consider it, but you could consider Jurassic Park a disaster film. Yeah, I mean, or, you know, I think for me, like, when I think about a disaster film, it's just, in a lot of ways, they're a subset of the action genre. They're just a specific version. And I think for me, the way I look at, it, at, a, at a disaster film is it's basically more or less ordinary people put into an extraordinary situation. And, you know, it's, if you have, if you go take that a step further, if you have extraordinary people in an extraordinary situation, well, that's, that's a superhero film. Still an action movie, but now just a different subset of it. And that's where I kind of draw the line with, with disaster films, is it's just some sort of extraordinary, usually an external situation. So like I wouldn't consider Fast 7 or the Fast series a disaster film because those aren't people put in an extraordinary situation. They put themselves in a situation. Actually, that's one of the reasons, that's one of my very important things that I look at with disaster films, whether they're good or not, but we'll get into that in a minute. But like that's not a disaster film. That's normal people putting themselves in a bizarre or you know crazy scenario versus things happening to them. Like you mentioned, 2012. You know, obviously the the, the premise of that movie is that the calendar killed everybody. So you know they had to, they had to deal with that. That's a pretty extraordinary scenario. So and then or like the core where they basically had to just you know like deal with Hillary Swank's disaster of a career at that point. Like that was just the whole movie. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that movie just in general, it's, it's, it, <laughs> it, it, it speaks to the volume of the character yeah. of these human beings that they were able to act through that film. Yeah, and still, I mean, that's amazing. Like that, yeah. yeah, that was... And we'll yeah. get to that, Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, for me... We'll get to the core of the problem with that film. Yeah, podcast over. <laughs> um, for, for me, and I, I'm similar, like you could say so many things are disaster yeah. films, but to me, even though they they are disaster films, and they're even listed as disaster films in, in certain categories, yeah, I don't count like the Godzilla franchise as disaster films or kaiju like uh, yeah, Pacific Rim. I don't count Cloverfield, even though that could be considered a disaster film. I, that's yeah. a creature film to me. Yeah, and it's more like like Jurassic Park and Cloverfield for me are more supernatural horror than they are straight up disaster film. Now, certain parts of Jurassic Park series, especially when they, um, the dinosaurs start getting into regular world, 
you know, versus just on the islands. That kind of more spills over into the disaster genre where there's these extraordinary... But the, for the most part, they're kind of bottles. They're contained within their own little Jurassic World. Hey, he said the title <laughs> of a movie. and uh, <laughs> On a movie podcast. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I, I think that they're more self-contained. That's why I consider them more action scenarios, straight-up action, like, like in the same vein, not the same quality in general as the Fast Series, because it's ordinary people putting themselves in an extraordinary situation, going to a park themed for dinosaurs. You know what I mean? Versus things happen to them because of nothing that they did or didn't do, for the most part. Right. And like, think about the perennial example. Like one of the very first big ones was the Poseidon Adventure in 1972. You know, these are just people, ordinary people on a boat, a, you know, albeit a big boat, a ship, whatever. Um, and, you know, there's a huge, there's a disaster, and now they have to deal with it. That's, that's, that's a straight up disaster film. So. And that's one of the ones that I'm going to talk about first. Yeah. But uh, an honorable mention, and I guess it's because it's it's small scale. Um, and there was a series of films, uh, Airport. Oh, yeah, 1970, the one where it's like somebody's going to bomb a, an airplane and he's trying to keep the airport alive. Yeah. And it's a big series because yeah. it, it went Airport 1975, Airport 77, and then mm-hmm. the Concorde, Airport 1979. And of course, a spin off airplane. And that's my special mention <laughs> because. And it's funny, if you look at the, the design yeah. choices on the cover, it goes it's, airplane, 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 airplane. And then for the movie Airplane, it's an airplane that's twisted into a knot. Exactly. Which I think is a perfect cover. Exactly. Now, which, yeah, which is why it was a very good spoof film, because it, it played right into that. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and the funny thing is, I've actually, I don't think I've ever seen, unless I watched them when I was much younger, I, I've never seen any of the airport films. I have a couple of them in my... Okay. In my um, embarrassingly long Netflix disc Unwieldy queue. is the term I would like yeah. to use. Because <laughs> uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing show up in a couple of them. Yeah. So I have to watch them, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's playing uh, the same character in Lord of the Rings, so it's going to be a little bit... Uh, yeah, because there's only a couple airplanes in Lord of the Rings that I can think of. So yes, they were and they're in the longer versions, yeah, correct? Yeah, okay. they're like like the seven-hour version. Yeah. So. Oh, I'm sorry, those are the Hobbits. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's an honorable mention. Airplane is something I grew up with. It is is just one of those sure. uh, silly, you know, slapstick, irreverent comedies uh, in the same vein as Naked Gun, uh, yep. which was you know a, a TV show called Police Squad, I believe. Yep. And then they made the Naked Gun films. And even Airplane Two is is silly and it, it ups the ante by you know, having it in space. <laughs> and and you know William Shatner is uh, the the crew guy that's leading him in. But Airplane gets a special mention here for me, because while it is technically a disaster film, it's more lampooning the disaster films, and it's small-scale disaster. Not that there's anything, you know, not serious about, because World Trade Center is definitely a disaster film. Uh, United 93 is definitely a disaster film. Uh, And so not that there's anything light about Airport, but again, when I think disaster, I think large-scale, you know... Now, one of the ones that we talked about just before we went on air was Apollo 13, which the event itself was huge because of the implication at that time. You had Apollo 11, which landed on the moon, and then you have 13, which is intended to land on the moon, and then, you know, has a disaster. But the scale itself for the film, for the bulk of the film, it's just essentially in in a tin can, to quote David Bowie, in the middle of space, it's not taking... There's obviously flashes back to Houston and Florida and all these other space places. And it's three people. And it's three people, but it is completely a disaster scenario. And that's why when I, at the top of the show I said mostly ordinary people. Because obviously highly trained astronauts are not exactly normal people, but they're not Spider-Man or the Hulk or Super... They're, sure. they're still... 
humans. They're still people that you can relate to. They have families, which was a big part of the movie. And they dealt with an extraordinary scenario and, spoiler alert, made it back. But, I mean, if you don't know that by now, like, did you not pay attention? <laughs> you should you should be listening to your history teacher, not this podcast, until you listen to your history teacher. And then you should listen yeah. to the podcast, definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where, yeah, you can have these large-scale things. And I, I, think that, I think you'd probably agree that's probably why this genre hasn't really been as successful lately is because it feels like they are obsessed with going towards these increasingly larger you know 2012 where you're bringing in Mayan predictions and things you know and part of that was definitely just off of the craze of the 2012 right you know and you know uh, I, I, I don't even want to say prediction because it wasn't really based no, on anything it wasn't based on anything um, yeah. but you know just like Y2K how many movies were about the end of the world and Y2K when that was happening so yeah. it's definitely to make a buck I mean obviously the most successful one of all time was The Net with Sandra Bullock but that's a whole other thing so. well that's for The Net podcast yeah. where, where we discuss just every, every yeah. piece of that film uh, do you have a, a first one you wanted to discuss? You know, I, I think looking at a good example of one, and I just mentioned it was is Apollo thirteen, and I, I it's a great movie, and it, it is in my opinion it's a clear disaster movie, even though it's not titled "This Is the End" or something, you know, something crazy. You know, it's a great it's a great disaster movie because it, it does it does a lot of it does a lot of very simple things well. It takes people who are ordinary. For the most part, they're you know again they're highly trained astronauts, but it, it does a good job at humanizing them. It makes them relatable. You know, you start with Jim Lovell's family. It's that that's the focus of it the entire time on Gary Sinise's character who was sick, but who was thought to be sick. You know, and how he's how he's making these efforts to to help them even though he's not there. All of the all of the actors in that movie, all the characters are are real people because of, this is a real event. But right. the movie does a good job of keeping them grounded in reality, even though they're floating away in space. It's it's one of those things where it's kind of out of sight, out of mind to maybe some people that, okay, well, they're not here. It's not something that's happening to Earth. So maybe this isn't as affecting to me, but the movie did a great job at, at creating a gravity of importance about these characters, about their mission, and about this extraordinary scenario and how, how they dealt with it. That's a great disaster film. Uh, <laughs> contrary to that one, one of the ones that I harp on a lot, and I, I don't like this movie at all, is the day after tomorrow, which is the exact opposite of that. None of the characters were, they're all ordinary people. It was definitely an extraordinary situation. So okay, you have the basic tenets of a disaster movie, but you didn't really care about any of the characters. And none of these people, you bought them as a superhero or somebody who's doing these crazy things. What, one of my least favorite, well, my favorite scenes to talk about, but least favorite scenes in the movie of day after tomorrow is Jake Gyllenhaal's character. They need to get medicine or whatever. And you know, they go out, which is, you know, as, you're, as a moviegoer, you're watching this and you're going, oh, I wonder if something's going to happen here. And he goes out and there's like these really poorly animated wolves that chase after him. And the thing is, it's like nobody buys for a second that an ordinary Jake Gyllenhaal is going to do any of the things that he's doing here. And that, I think, is a fundamental problem with bad disaster films is when the action is because of the action of the characters versus the things that are happening around them. War of the Worlds, for example, had a great opening scene where they're just in the car and just bedlam, just insanity happens around them. And it's, it's a gripping scene because he, he can't really do much in that scene. He tries to do what he can to get out of it and you know he gets a car eventually and gets his family. But 
it was stuff happening around him, so you're you're more involved in it. It's more typically a disaster. And film. you're talking about the remake, right? The remake, yeah. And the most tense scene in that whole movie is a scene with Tim Robbins. Yeah, and that no, it's no longer a disaster film. It's almost a, uh, a, horror, a slasher film, right? Yeah. At that point, and that, that's where I think actually that movie kind of went off the rails. But that opening scene where you know just the whole world just falls apart is a great scene because it's it's the it's exactly what you want in a disaster movie. Ordinary people dealing with an extraordinary situation and hopefully making smart moves or at least ones that you go I, I would do that even if it didn't work out going. Yeah, I could see myself having have done that and yeah, maybe it wouldn't have worked out That's where Apollo 13 did well. They did they did they followed protocol They they they, they, they ran every scenario every permutation everything they could do to solve a problem and they, they solved the problem eventually versus day after tomorrow, you know, it's this bizarre scenario where you know somebody goes I think there's gonna be like a big storm, and then like the next day, the big storm hits. Like, dude, like, come on, like. And then once you know, the arc of the movie is over, the storm recedes, and everybody's happy. Like, it just, it's it's a, it's just poorly done overall. And again, most of that movie was the the characters seeking out the action. So instead of becoming these scenes, these harrowing scenes of survival of overcoming the odds, what they basically are, are set pieces that are sort of contrived. That's kind of where uh, I draw the line is, is what's a good a good disaster film and one that's not. Well, and it, a lot of that has to do with the, you know, people making the film. Mm-hmm. So obviously Apollo 13 is done by uh, Ron, Howard. Ron Howard and it has <laughs> yeah. Tom Hanks, Gary Sinise, Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon, Ed Harris. It yeah. just has this this huge, uh, Mary Steenburgen, I think, is the, the wife. Yeah, it. is the wife, yeah. It was nominated for four Oscars at one, or for like six or seven Oscars. It won two Oscars. Um, it, it's it, it's a tense movie. Yeah. You're, you're bought into all the characters. You know, you want them to succeed. You, you want, want them to succeed not just because you're supposed to, but because you want them. Even though we know the history, you still are like, how do they do this? Like, it's just, it's unreal. Yeah, where is the director of the other one is Roland Emmerich. Yeah. And Roland Emmerich is known for Independence Day, Day After Tomorrow. Oh, look, 2012. Weird. Uh, 10,000 BC, <laughs> The Patriot, Godzilla. And The Patriot wasn't bad. No, and neither no. is Stargate, neither is the first Universal Soldier. Um, I, I won't go into the stuff that he did before that because then it gets bad again. But And then yeah. the talent behind it, this was, this was pre, you know... Nightcrawler, Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. and this is as much as I like Dennis Quaid. This is just that could have been anybody. You can yeah. plug anybody into that. Yeah, and none of the characters were really compelling. Nobody really cared about them, and that's 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 what tends to happen in disaster films. Is you're so focused on the disaster, the extraordinary scenario, that you forget the main people and why they're important to care about these people. I will take one one moment to talk about the movie uh, San Andreas, which is a totally ridiculous movie. And a lot of the action in that movie happens because of the characters. The only reason it gets a slight pass is because we're not exactly dealing with an ordinary person. We're dealing with The Rock, who's basically just... I feel bad for that earthquake. Yeah. He he has to fight The Rock. He's basically just a tanned Hulk. So you can kind of understand when he goes, I'm going to go do this thing. You go, yeah, I buy that. He could probably do that in real life. (laughs) And he's also set up as, you know, as a a highly trained person, da-da-da. So it's a little bit more viable. But Jake Gyllenhaal isn't The Rock. The only thing that Jake Gyllenhaal should be running from or running towards are ambulances like he did in Nightcrawler. That's it. Like, cut the line off there. You're You're not a superhero. Nobody's buying it. Let's move on. Let's let's just let the disaster happen to you, and you deal with it from there. And try versus seeking out danger. So right. Um, one of the well, it, 
I'd say one of the movies, but two of the movies I'm going to talk about, um, and I, I say two because I lump them together. Yeah. They're Poseidon Adventure, the original one from right. 1972. Gene Hackman, yeah. Gene Hackman, Ernest Borgnine, mm-hmm. uh, Shelley Winters, and then The Towering Inferno. Oh yeah, okay. And the reason I'm and that's two years later, 1974. Yeah. The reason I'm putting them together is because they are what I think are the best in the Irwin um, Irwin Allen. Um, Filmography. I don't know if you're, you're familiar with Irwin Allen. Yeah. He was actually known as the master of disaster. Yeah. Um, if you look at his film catalog, he cave in the night the bridge fell down. Uh, the the memory of Eva Riker, which is about uh, what's, the what's Titanic. The, the one the night the bridge that fell down. What is that about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's tough to tell, but it looks yeah. like a bridge. Okay. Uh, when time ran out, he did the Beyond the Poseidon Adventure, hanging by a thread when they're stuck in a crane. Like he just found the swarm, which is you yeah, know, a bunch of insects attacking a, a tower. He, just he, one called fire. You know. Okay. He, well, he was <laughs> quite literally the master of disaster. Uh, and I I mean he found a good a good niche and and really made a, a, quite a bit of it. Poseidon Adventure and Towering Inferno are two that I kind of grew up with. Um, Poseidon Adventure is actually an Oscar winner for yeah. original song. Shelley Winters was nominated for supporting actress. Uh, it got a special effects, uh, special achievement award. Uh, it's just, it's a cool movie, and I'm, I'm always bummed. And again, Statue of Limitations, I'm not worried about spoiling the film, but yeah. uh, Gene Hackman is one of the main characters, along with Red Buttons, Ernest Borgnine, yep. Roddy McDowell. They get a lot of great actors, and some of them are current, some of them are older actors, and I'll get to that in The Towering Inferno as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Albertson from Willy Wonka. Uh, There's a lot of characters that just show up. Some of them die pretty quickly. Like Leslie Nielsen is the captain of the ship in a very serious Leslie Nielsen role, which is funny. But it wasn't a very lengthy No, not at all. (laughs) Now, like, think about Poseidon Adventure. That's a great example. Because at the end of the movie, well, towards the end of the movie, and again, spoiler alert, but, you know, it's been remade, so, you know, he sacrifices himself. In a pretty pretty memorable moment, you know, while he's like talking, he's like he's. I think he's even reciting biblical passages. He's a reverend, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I just I think he was reciting biblical, or maybe on God, I don't remember, but he was. He he does this moment where he he's holding the bird, the, the valve and he's turning because he knows it's going to help save him. He sacrificed himself. He made a he, he you know throughout the movie you want him to survive. But he does the thing that he should have. His character as a reverend did the right thing. He saved the people around him. He did exactly what his character is meant to do. That's a that's a really good ending to to, a, to an arc of a character in a disaster film. Yeah. So, and it's you don't know that which characters are going to make it. That's I think the problem with more recent disaster films. You know the ones that are going to make it, and you're just and there's no question. Like, of course, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be fine, you know, or of course Elijah Wood's going to be fine in uh, in geez, Deep Impact. There we go, <laughs> or you know Armageddon. I wonder if it's going to be one tenth of a second or one hundredth of a second before the arbitrary cutoff in that movie. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, and Deep Impact, I will say, is surprising because they do kill off quite a few characters that don't make mm-hmm. it to the, the underground bunker. Tia uh, Leone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. For Poseidon, I will very briefly mention the remake uh, just because I was very excited. Obviously, it's a Kurt Russell film. Yeah. And he's the Gene Hackman character right. in it. And it's got Josh Lucas, uh, Emmy Rossum, and Richard Dreyfuss, which was kind of a big deal because he wasn't making a lot of, of movies. There's actually some hilarious interviews with him just about how much he hated the film, and, and yeah. there, he, he literally just 
verbally abuses this reporter and talks about just how much money he was paid and greedy. Like, it, it's hilariously yeah. awful. So when I worked in retail at Best Buy, I actually met and hung out with Richard Dreyfuss for probably an hour and a half in the store. Super nice guy, but he's he's blunt. Like, he's not going to... He's, he's going to tell it like it is, which... When you, when you were telling me... I, I didn't know that, you know, about this interview, but it's just... I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, I know Richard Dreyfuss. I don't, but I got that sense of him where he's just like... I needed a mortgage payment, so <laughs> so let me, let me make this movie, and you know they're, he, he probably knows they're going to market it a little bit around him. Like, oh, Richard Dreyfuss is back, kind of like Anthony Hopkins in Westworld. He hadn't done anything in forever, and you know it was cool to see Anthony Hopkins again. Unfortunately, you know Poseidon wasn't the remake wasn't exactly a good film. In, in no, it, it's you know some parts of it are fun, but like many remakes, unfortunately, it was completely unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, so they do kill off some of the characters that you might anticipate not having them not kill off. Yeah. Uh, and then some of them, uh, Matt Dillon, you know he's going to die. And he's going to die terribly because yeah. he's a gambler, you know, a-hole character in it. Right. Um, but then jumping back again to the, the original run with uh, Towering Inferno. Right. Towering Inferno was shocking because they got Steve McQueen and Paul Newman. And if you look at the poster, it's, depending on what poster you're looking at, their names are at an angle, and it's so that uh, one of them won't be above the other name. They did not get along. They were both at the height of their star power. Uh, you know, this is Paul Newman and Steve McQueen. They're both just action. They both felt that they were the lead right. in the film. And, you know, that's such a great cast, too, though. It's got William Holden. It's got Faye Dunaway, it's got Fred Astaire, it's got Richard Chamberlain. O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson, uh, Robert Vaughn, it's Robert Wagner. It, it, that's an even bigger cast than and even Poseidon Adventure. And like this unknown guy scored it, John Williams. Yeah. Which I, is, yeah, I don't think... I'll that. have to look up and yeah, see what else he did yeah. to, to get to him. And again, yeah. this, this won three Oscars. Uh, cinematography, editing, music. It was also up for Best Picture. Huh. It was up for Fred Astaire for Supporting Actor, Art Direction, Sound, and Music by... John Williams, whoever that is. Uh, so, did you know this was the first film to be a joint venture by major Hollywood studios? I didn't. I did not know that either. That's pretty interesting. So I wonder if that's why they had both these big stars in there, is because it was a joint venture. They each said, "Okay, we're putting a, we're we're each putting a risk up for the other for the other studio. Let's put our." Because in our old Hollywood, team. they were basically almost slave labor. You know, yeah. the, the, yeah. the studios owned certain actors and they would lend them out. Same yeah. with directors. Like William yeah. Wyler was loaned out by Columbia to RKO. Mm -hmm. uh, same with uh, Frank Capra was loaned out. He fulfilled his contract and then he became, he became kind of a... And you didn't um, really argue. You just kind of did it. Yeah. Yeah. You so. still got paid. It wasn't as much as they get paid nowadays. Right. But, but, but that meant that you got to do other movies with that studio where you would get still get paid. So. Yeah. And, and this yeah. movie, I, <laughs> this movie is a little more even intense because it's... It's a building that's on fire. It's, right. it's a lot, I think it's supposed to be the largest building in the country or whatever. It's a fictional building, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah 1,800 feet is the world's tallest building. It's the glass tower. Yes, yeah. which doesn't, just doesn't sound smart. You know, like, uh, yeah, you know I mean, something bad's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's cool like, if you want to burn an ant or something, but uh, I don't know. If you got a piece of paper in there, it might, might not work out. So I, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't. It's fun. Can't, it, okay. it is, even ahead of Poseidon Adventure, I think, it, it is the old school disaster film okay. that I would I would show people. And okay. just for the performances alone, uh, I mean, I mean Ernest Borgnine yeah. and Gene Hackman are really good, but to see 
Paul, Paul Newman yeah. and Steve McQueen as the, the co-leads, and I'll just say co-leads so that their ghosts don't try to haunt me. Right. <laughs> so I don't want to say one is one is more elite than the other. <laughs> but so those are cool, and those are ones that I'm going to show the kids, you know, when they're eight or nine, something like that, until Michelle says no, and then I won't show them that. But those are the two <laughs> disaster films I'd like to show the kids, just because they're not overly graphic and yeah. they're exciting and, and things like that. So that's kind of where I start with it, and that's why I give them kind of a tie. Um, what, what's your next one? So, you know, actually this is, when I was looking at um, films like this, it, it seems like this, and we've, we've, we should do a podcast about it, but twin films, um, there's a lot of twin films when you look at this. So, for example, I was scrolling through the box office mojo thing, and in 97 you have Dante's Peak and Volcano, which are completely twin films. They're the same movie released in the same year, two months apart. Um, then you have Deep Impact and Armageddon, Right around the same time, you have, um, you know, th- things like War of the Worlds and Day After Tomorrow, a few months a few months apart, but similar kind of concept where it's just these global disasters. And it makes kind of perfect sense because why not? I mean, these are big budget movies that are probably going to attract, you know, if they're an interesting topic, like when, with the, with the uh, asteroid movies, with Deep Impact and, and Armageddon, well, why not? If they're going to... They're big budget, but they're probably going to attract an audience because, I mean, how often do we get to see a comet or, you know, an asteroid hit the Earth? Like, that's kind of a, that's a unique thing. So people are going to naturally just be drawn to it because it's, it's, it's different. And it's topical because these are things that we have the technology to predict or even even understand. I mean, we know that the, the comet came down and kind of caused mass extinction before. And then, you know, recently you had Pompeii and Noah, which... Okay, they're not one's a volcano movie, one's you know more biblical, but they're, again, they're both period pieces, talking about these sort of mythologized scenarios. You know, and it's just interesting seeing how how that occurred, where there's a lot of these very similar pairings of films, and that's something that I noticed here. And I'm always curious to see what's going to happen in the future with that, and you know what what's going to be the next disaster that people want to kind of exploit to some degree. Um, as far as one that I specifically want to talk about, I would, I would pr- this actually was a question I had for you and I wanted to talk about it on air. I know we talked about the definition of, 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 an, of a disaster film. This is one I had a little bit of trouble with, World War Z. It's listed in some places as a disaster movie. What do you think? I, I, so because it is global, and no offense to Jurassic Park, but it really only affects the, the, the people, or even Jurassic World. It yeah. only affects the island, whereas World War Z, it's world. Yeah. It is global. I mean, you, and you not, can, that, not that global has to be a thing, but it like, helps. Like, like, like yeah, Apollo thirteen is clearly three people, right? And the whole world was watching. But, but that's yeah, but it helps. But yeah, it, it doesn't. I don't think it's a, a requirement. Poseidon Adventure. It's just the whole world in the movie. The boat was the whole world in the yeah, movie. Yeah, and I think this helps make what should be just categorized as, as, as a horror film, makes it into the argument of, of a yeah. disaster film. It's tough. I mean, at the end of the day, you could... It, yeah. The horror genre, like, like I said, is so many subgenres that you could almost make the argument of a horror disaster film. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and sometimes horror films are a disaster, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, I, I would say if you, if you want it, I wouldn't argue against it. Yeah. You, you'd and, have and pros and cons for it. It's just one of those like semantics questions, which is just a way of drawing lines in the sand. I was just, I, I was thinking about it in kind of the prep for this. and like, huh, some places listed that as a disaster, some don't. 
I, I was just curious. There are some film topics yeah. that I I am very stern on. Yeah. And then there are some things that I'm I'm incredibly malleable. Like yeah. with a horror film, like you know, I, I try to watch thirty horror films. I think we've discussed it yeah. a couple times. Mm-hmm. Every or thirty one horror films during October, and my right. friends will be like, "Can I watch Hocus Pocus?" Yeah, that counts. Why not? Sure. It's yeah. a kids' horror movie, but it's still a horror it's movie. Still, which yeah. is why not? You know, yeah. uh, um, Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I, I'm incredibly open to things like that. So yeah. if it's gonna, at the end of the day, if it's gonna make you go out and see a movie because say you really like disaster films and right. I say you know what I would count this if it's going to get you to watch more film and I think that's kind and of the idea a... behind this this podcast of ours first and foremost selfishly for each other to recommend movies yeah. to each other selflessly to spare our friends yes <laughs> which we never spare them in anything <laughs> yeah no <laughs> uh, so I mean yeah the, that's a very long winded way for me to say yes I okay. would say that this is and, and I was kind of leaning towards that too it's like well does it really matter? It doesn't. Which is funny because yeah. I think you've read the book too, right? Yes. It's a, it's a hundred percent different. It, yeah, it, it's, they it's, focus on one, basically one character, and I think they yeah. even change his name of the journal entry because it's essentially a bunch of different yeah. like interviews and. Because the book was great in the sense that it, it, it even though it was a bunch of um, you know newspaper articles and, and like short narratives, it still kept a lot of tension, a lot of momentum moving forward. And it was clear what was going on. There was a clear arc, which was fun. And, um, you know, the, the movie had a, it was, it was, it was entertaining enough. It just it had a pretty terrible ending. And I think that's part of the problem with some disaster movies where the ending isn't applicable. It's only applicable to the people that we're following. Well, and, and then it somehow it gets like globally, like it's like a panacea for everything. It's like, well, it feels cheap. You know what I mean? It, it also, I think people have these great ideas for the disaster, but they don't know how to clean it up properly. Yeah. And that, that's what's tough because the cleanup, I mean, that's that seems like it takes a lot longer. You know, you think about a disaster like 9-11, the whole event took place in less than a day. Cleanup took months and years and it's still going on in some, in some, in some fashions. So yeah, and, and it, you know, well, hopefully disaster movies aren't, peaking over two hours because then it's just overstating it's welcome but you know in an hour 45 to two hour movie it's kind of hard to show and kind of tedious to show you know six months of cleanup because of a tidal wave or something <laughs> you know it's just you're not going to do it but you still want some satisfaction that the the cure the the solution involved a lot of people versus just brad pitt and then like all of a sudden like the movie ends <laughs> well, and I think you kind of need that. A lot of right. a lot of studios don't want to end movies on too much of a downer. They want to give the yeah because you spend well, a movie going through this roller coaster of emotions for the most part, especially if the movie's done well, mm-hmm. and they want you to leave with that sense of uh, that sense of relief almost. Yeah, I, one of the more affecting and you know, kind of a side note: disaster films used to be and sometimes still are the movies that scare me the most. I think about Independence, and I'm sure you wanted to talk about this one. Um, yeah, I mean that was a pretty frightening movie to think, you know, because it was a it was well done. I, I don't know, you know, your specific opinion about Independence Day, but I suspect you like the movie. It's a fun movie uh, yeah. for all the crap we just gave Roland Emmerich because yeah. he directed that one. That's a fun action yeah, film. I, yeah, I mean he's capable of doing a good disaster movie because it it, it followed the, the rules. You know, you had you know they weren't deeply drawn characters, but. They were likable enough. I mean, I don't like Jeff Goldblum at all, so like I was. We've discussed how you're wrong about that before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
of all the controversial things I'm going to say in this podcast. I, I but, told you I, I draw lines and things, and <laughs> the Goldblum is one of them. Like, how dare you? Point being, though, it, it was still interesting characters. You know, they still they played their role. They did their job. You know, it was, and it, it tidied up, and it it tidied up, and it it, it it had the disaster. You had a lot of a lot of carnage on Earth, and it took you know an amazing uh, sequence at the end to get to to, to solve everything. And it was satisfying, though. That's that, that he did a good job in that one. So, it, but it it it, it followed that rule of okay, you know, yeah, the whole world's involved. And they showed the whole world, and the whole world. It was clear that this was the ultimate goal, and that was clear, you know the mothership. Like that's that's not an out that's not an outlying goal. You know, some movies where it's like, okay, we need to get here for some reason, and then then we're done. Like we're cool. The, it makes sense that if you blow up the mothership, like most people, most armies, most whatever are going to go. All right, I'm good. Like, you know, you got the big one, so, like, I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> For me, that movie has enough humor and over-the-top action. Right. It didn't It didn't scare me. The The things that I was talking about that scare me uh, recently, and right. I think it's a good film, uh, Contagion. Oh, okay. That okay. freaks me out. Yeah. Just the, the worldwide... But I think, for me, like, at 10 years old, you know, seeing a movie about oh, aliens... Oh, sure. Because I think, for me, at least, that, that kind of time frame is when aliens were starting to become part of my knowledge as a person... And yeah, it's not a t- super serious movie like Close Encounters or uh, E.T., which is still you know it's more of a kids children's movie, but still a great movie. It's still frightening to think that that could happen in some way, and that there's yeah, it's you know Will Smith will take care of it, will be fine, but that's that's what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, it's still frightening though, just to, as a ten year old person is now you're thinking about aliens, now you're thinking about those things and. How helpless you kind of are against that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I have a vivid memory of going to see that with my brother and mom yeah. at Triangle Square. Back yeah, when Triangle Square was a lot more popular. It's still called the Triangle Square now. It's just a, now it's just the Triangle. It will always be Triangle Square, <laughs> yeah. just like uh, the it, outlets of Orange will always be, be the block. block yeah, uh, family or uh, Boomers will always be Family Fun Center, <laughs> and uh, the alternate universe theory, Berenstain Bears, which it actually is, will always be Berenstain Bears. <laughs> But that's that's for our Mandela Effect podcast. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. But um, yeah, I mean, or you think about volcanoes. Like, I mean, <laughs> the premise of a volcano, or like all of a sudden there's just now a volcano in Los Angeles. It's pretty ridiculous, but just Tommy Lee Jones sells it though. He sells it, yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, oh, there was a volcano that we didn't know about. Okay, yeah. It's kind of goofy, but it's like, well, well, what if there is a, you know, well, hey, we haven't had one, so we're kind of due for one. So it, it gets you just thinking about It these... is volcano weather right yeah. now, so <laughs> I, I mean, I get that, it. Yeah, that is true, which is similar to Cape weather. It's mm-hmm. always cloudy and windy. That's, that's good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Um, more more realistic ones, Deep Impact, uh, Armageddon. And I think even Deep Impact, I remember seeing, no, I didn't see that in the movies. But um, I remember watching that movie, just the idea of asteroids and with the proximity to one like Independence Day, you have all these space-themed or space-origin films that are disaster films. And space is pretty frightening because it is literally the last frontier we know almost, we know very little about outside of our little bubble here. It's pretty frightening stuff. And it plays on those fears really, really well. Um, Yeah, my last film actually that I want to discuss and another special mention is one I thought about before is Daylight. Have you ever seen that one? Oh yeah, yeah. With with, um, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, Yeah. I actually enjoy that movie quite a bit Uh, and it's tense. Uh, The characters are pretty likable and some of them die. They don't kill the dog so it gets extra points for that. Yeah, that's good. Um, 
you know, screw the human beings. That, yeah, that yeah. I don't care about that. They kept the dog alive, and I'm sure Can at I, least one of my listeners, one of our listeners, was a great movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it, honestly, it's it's yeah. one of uh, one of Stallone's more serious films. I mean, obviously, his best, you could argue, First Blood or Rocky, depending on yeah. which you prefer. You know. But Daylight is, is I think, an underrated film. We should have an underrated podcast as well now that I'm thinking of that. Yeah, we should do that. We should like like determine if they're underrated, overly rated, or properly rated. Yeah, we should also never talk about Guardians of the Galaxy again. <laughs> um, but a special mention to Daylight, it's a cool movie. It's about the, I forget which. The Holland Tunnel. It's the Holland Tunnel. Yeah. Okay, I, I was going to say I forget which tunnel it is. But it, uh, disaster, I think a, a truck explodes after yeah. a, a car accident. And it just takes out almost everybody and closes both ends of the tunnel. Right. And then it starts to flood and they have to figure out... They send in uh, Stallone, who used to be the, the city... I don't know, the building I think inspector. He was a controller. That seems right. Accountant, so, maybe? Yeah. Mayor secretary. Yeah. And which obviously, you know, you look at him and he's, yeah, he's built for that sense. job. Yeah. But it's a fun movie. Uh, it, gets, it definitely gets an honorable mention. And if you like disaster movies and if you like Stallone... I'd say it's worth a shot. The one I want to talk about oh, is... Viggo Mortensen in it. Yeah, very early role. Weird. Huh. He's, uh, he's the hiking he was, expert. He was... Uh, so Sylvester Stallone was the former... Uh, I, just, I love this title. New York City Emergency Medical Services Chief. And his name is Kit Latura. I mean, it just sounds so Stallone right there. Yeah. He, he probably... Cha- his name was probably like Joe Smith. And he said, no, it has to be this yeah, name. No, and my t- his title yeah. was probably like... Inspector, yes, and he changed yes. it to New York City Emergency Services Medical Chief. Like it's just okay. All out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Vigo is is uh, the, he's a mountain climber. He's yeah. first to die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the movie I want to discuss as my actual final disaster film is Armageddon. Okay. Which you, which you already yeah, we, brought we've up. We've talked a little bit about this before. Yeah. It is peak Michael Bay for me. Uh, my, you know, yeah. he was a music video director, and then his big first hit was Bad Boys, and then he had back to back years. I think they're back to back years, but The Rock and Armageddon, which are both movies. Uh, yeah, they're pretty close, but yeah, I, I like The Rock more. But yeah, yeah, I do too. Yeah, I. But Armageddon is actually a lot of fun. Uh, the, if you ever listen to the, the commentary with Ben Affleck on it, it's really entertaining. Yeah, uh, he just very honest and open about how ridiculous it is. And, and that's the thing with that movie is it, I think it knew it was ridiculous, um, and it was fine with it, and it, it played into it. I, I don't think it's one of those movies that's like, oh, let me nominate this for an Oscar or for you know, if I'm doing a top fifteen thousand movies of all time list, it might be like it like. 14,960 but like it, it's not an amazing but it's it does it did its job really really well it's ridiculous it's completely cliche I mean even the song for the movie is like that was the hit of the summer <laughs> it was so over the top yes but, but you know it was cool because it had Aerosmith who's you know at that time they'd been around for 30-40 years around roughly well not 40 but yeah about 30 years between 30 and 40 yeah um, you know, and you had some of these guys like Bruce Willis who were kind of at the point where they're aging just a little bit, maybe shouldn't even be doing action films, but still pulled it off. And t- almost 20 years later, he still is doing action films. Yeah, not that he should be. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I like the movie. One of the things that I stands out is uh, they kill off a bunch of those guys and, and they yeah. make them very likable. That's the thing too. They all had like their little nicknames or little quirks and yes. everything, and it, that's what I think made that movie work really well. Was it was, 
even though it was by the numbers like this is what's going to happen this like i joked about earlier you know is it going to be a tenth of a second or a hundredth of a second before this arbitrary cutoff that we have to make and you know of course they're going to make it but it, that's the that's the fun of it right so I, that one, I, I, it's silly, it's dumb, but I, I recommend it to anybody. I, Armageddon is fun. Yeah, you know, for me, like, I think about a lot of, the, when I was thinking about the disaster movies, I don't have a list. Like, none of these movies are anything amazingly outstanding that I'm going to have to go, you know, this is on a top list for me somewhere. I'm going to feel compelled to organize them as, like, this is my favorite, this is, I don't know why, I think it's one of the few genres I don't have that sort of, like... I don't know. It's just strange. Like, I was no, thinking about these them. don't. I don't yeah. have a special reverence for any of these films. Because necessarily. none of them are, are overly serious. Of them, you're, you're not going to go like, oh, this is a revered movie. There's some of the older ones like the classics, you know, Poseidon Adventure for sure, and I'm sure Towering of Inferno. But for me, like when I think about Apollo 13, I don't. I think about it more first as a drama. It is a disaster film, like we've talked about. But I think it more as first of, of a space drama. Then go. Where is this on my list of disaster films? You know what I mean? Like it's. This is one of those bizarre genres that kind of straddles a lot of other genres. Um, one of the ones I remember, one of the first, probably the first and only, well, probably the first disaster film I ever saw in the movie was Twister, which as a kid, I love that movie. But, you know, you look back at it now and it's equally as goofy as it was then, but you just didn't realize it. But it was fun. Like, I just watched it for the first time, actually, which is one of those. Yeah, I, know, I brought it up. So Yeah, like, one of those movies that, yeah, again, that you like, were shocked that yeah, I hadn't I seen like, before. What do you mean? Like, I read the novelization. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Written by Roland Emmerich. <laughs> so that's also interesting. Well, that was a Jan de Bont joint, but... Uh... Yeah. Um, yeah, Twister, it is. It's not. It's not like you don't look at it as well-directed, yeah. written, whatever, but it, it is a by-the-book... Disaster film yeah. with fun characters, fun but actors, Bill Paxton, Carrie Elwes, who the second Carrie Elwes comes on scene, you're like, he's going to die. Yep. A very bad death by via Twister. Yeah, like an angry Twister, too. Like, this isn't just a regular one. But they're, they're usually just set pieces. They're, you know, they're, um, they're, they're special effects showcases. They're, you know, they're, oh, this would be cool to see, but not to go and go, okay, this is, point out and go, this is great filmmaking. Again, outside of certain examples like Apollo 13, but they bleed so closely to other genres that you almost lose them as a, as a great disaster. It's a hard, it's, you know what I mean? Well, and we, we just that's why I brought up World War Z, because it is so, it straddles so many of these genres that you think, okay, this is a zombie film, this is an action film, it's de- it, but it is a disaster film. So. I, and I think, you know, to close out, this genre doesn't have, it hasn't had a great renaissance like westerns all of a sudden yeah, where there's been a handful of just great westerns in the yeah. 21st or even in the 2010s even, we get more you know, fantasy if we're talking about like the early 2000s sci-fi recently has had a good has had a horror always has its ups and downs yeah uh, no it doesn't I mean I, by all accounts San Andreas was actually a fun movie is what I've been told people tend to enjoy it because it, it feels like an old Hollywood blockbuster but again you're, you're talking about the rock doing the rock things like that's Fine. Like okay, here's you know here's eight dollars. It's a popcorn yeah. movie. It's a popcorn movie, and you know it's 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 hard to portray an earthquake as you know it, it's it's hard to, but it, it it did a good job of what it had to do. It, it played to the character strengths, and with the rocks, it's like in Fast Seven, he has a cast on and flexes and breaks it. Like that's his strength. Let him do that stupid stuff, and you'll be you'll be fine. You know the movie did pretty well box office wise. Yeah. So. Okay, go with it. You know? 
Yeah, and it's just unfortunate that we have, I know we were going to spend some time on some of the bad ones, but I don't want to end the podcast on such a down yeah, note. I mean, but you have 2012, Day After Tomorrow, the core, where they're literally going inside the Earth's core to respin it. And yeah, I like and I use the word loosely, but the science behind that movie yo, is just atrocious. Yeah, it's just here's the thing: it's a cool idea to go to the core of the Earth because it's not something that we've seen a lot. And that's I think you mentioned earlier how they have these great ideas for a disaster, but they don't know how to end it or even make it like logical that we're doing this. The core is a perfect example of that. Like a movie has never explored the core of the Earth, and granted, there's probably not a lot there. It's just a lot of like molten rock and what looks like lava and things and so, chuds yeah <laughs> but i mean so what are you going to do but it's a cool idea but i feel like it's one of those where like it's just a screenwriter you know with a producer going hey we need a big blockbuster hit well what if we went to the core of the earth i like it figure out the rat and then the guy's like go oh. on you're fired but go on because yeah. i like the idea <laughs> yeah. and then the guy's like oh god i gotta write a 90 minute movie about this and then it turns into like the best 72 minutes that you should ever spent so, <laughs> and I mean, two-time Oscar winner Hilary Swank. Yeah, yeah, and two-time Oscar nominee her forehead. So, <laughs> I mean, it did some things right. Yeah, I mean, it, but I think, like we talked about with um, with action films specifically, it's easier to watch a bad action film because a lot of times it becomes unintentionally funny or just so over the top that you just go, oh, who cares? Or you know, the, the special effects are good enough. And that's where I think this genre, it's, it's the highs are, are low, the lows aren't that low. So it's just this very kind of medium ground where as long as it does its basic job, it's totally watchable. And if it doesn't, it probably just becomes a joke anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, this was, I don't think we'll need, necessarily need to come back to this topic unless for some reason a disaster film is one of the best films of the year or yeah, worst like, films of the year. Yeah. <laughs> but it's something I want to discuss. Or like, it is, less, like one wins best picture somehow yeah yeah and, or it, who knows maybe it does have a renaissance where they have these poseidon adventure towering inferno you know a, a descendant know of Edward Allen. Is, i don't know that either of us will be alive that long yeah. but I, you know i wouldn't mind I, I wouldn't mind to see some of these really unique topics come up and some of these unique settings and, and sort of idea it because you know volcanoes that's pretty cool okay you know asteroid okay that's pretty cool like you know Crazy weather. Uh, okay. All right. Oh, you're gonna do it again. Okay. Okay. All right. That's enough. Like, thank you. You know, just <laughs> let's wait another thirty years and yeah. try to pick this up again. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I, I mean, what you know? Please let us know what are what are some of your favorites that we didn't spend any time on or yeah. we hated on. Uh, are there any that we missed? Are, are there any TV movies that you remember as a kid watching? Uh, what was it? Ten point two or whatever. Right? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Sci-Fi Channel has a stranglehold on that. You know, before, yeah. before all the Sharkageddon movies, they had the disaster films. I remember getting a lot of blockbuster, but I think it's Sharknado. Oh, I apologize yeah. to the, uh, the 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 large fan, rabid fan base of the Sharknado films. I think five is coming out this year. Uh, but let you us mean know. Five of them are coming out, or the fifth one in the series. I don't know anymore. Yeah, that's the sad thing. But let us know uh, what we missed, what we what we hit on, what you what you want, what would you recommend as as a disaster movie that you enjoy either as an adult or that you grew up with. You know, let us know. Uh, we always love hearing about it, and uh, it gives us a chance to go. Okay, I wasn't really sure about that movie, but yeah. maybe I'll go give it a watch. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny seeing how my hate for some of these bad movies isn't as seething as it is for other ones. No, which is shocking. <laughs> I, I expected much more seething, like just to feel the seething. Yeah, but... you, like like the volcano in, in uh, Volcano. Yeah. just comes out of nowhere. And it's just... That is the main character. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
don't tell Tommy Lee Jones that. He, he'll, he'll be pretty annoyed at you. So. And he looks surly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this is, uh, you know, tracking shots. Glad to be back. We're going to try to get a, a few more out so we don't have, you know, a, a huge gap in between. But uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. I'm Richie. And I'm Andrew.